Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. And I do mean around the world because... Uh, my co-pilot this week is coming to us uh, live and large from the great state of Arizona. Am I right about that, Jeremy Birmingham, recruiting expert? You are. I'm in beautiful Chandler, Arizona on this Monday afternoon. Um, by the time this airs, it's you know, not a secret, but obviously Ohio State uh, is landing a commitment on Monday night from five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola, the number one player in the class of 2024. And been out here a couple days to get to spend a little time with Dylan and his family and celebrate uh, his commitment night with him at his church in Scottsdale. And uh, that's what I'm doing here. So yeah, big, big, big recruiting win for Ryan Day and Corey Dennis once again, as they continue to just absolutely dominate quarterback recruiting around the country. Dude. Yeah. How big is it? Put put this in a nutshell for us. Uh, I mean, you've already got, you've already got CJ Stroud sitting there. You've got Cal McCord, you've got Devin Brown, who was basically finished up in some rankings, the number one quarterback, maybe the number one recruit from the class of 2022. And, and now you've got Rayola. Rayola, just don't call him late for the signing party. How, how, what kind of role is Ohio State on right now, man? How would you explain it in the quarterback realm? I wrote about it on Monday, but, I mean, you know, we – people who've been around Ohio State football a while, it never really seemed like they were bad at recruiting quarterbacks. They always had a fairly good player at the position. I mean – yeah. Ohio State quarterback has won the Big Ten Player of the Year, I think, you know, what, a nine of the last ten years or something like that. But yes. The, the difference in just the quarterback, uh, the ceiling, the hierarchy at this juncture is just something that's completely different than what we've ever seen at Ohio State. I mean, if you just think about Quinn Ewers as originally in the class of 2022, uh, if, if you take Quinn Ewers as the number one player in the country, and then you take Devin Brown as the number one player in the country, <laughs> both a quarterback in the class of 2022, and then you have Dylan Rayola as the number one player in the country in the class of 2024, and that's three number one players in three years for Ohio State, uh, all of them a quarterback. And none of those guys are choosing Ohio State because it's the easiest road to playing time or anything like that. It is an absolute testimonial for Ryan Day and what his development of quarterbacks, uh, what, what the reputation is for him nationally, because these kids aren't doing it because they think they're coming to Ohio State to play as freshmen. They know that there's going to be a road to, to get there, and, and that says so much about how they view that opportunity. In other words, throw it and they will come? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, yeah, but you also have to have guys that can catch it, right? And the yes. guys receiving core with Ryan Hartline, uh, the recruiting uh, – at the receiver position is in such good shape that it seems like just a situation that these guys realize that, hey, we have an opportunity to be a part of something really special uh, and historic when it comes to the Ohio State offense, which seems to break records every single year. Hey, Jeremy, what, what is it like? I mean, I've told you, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before when I've had you on my podcast, but isn't it cool being where they are? I mean, I mean, you know, I've talked about where they're coming from. I mean, I, I, I made – I made a little uh, journey, an odyssey out to just see where C.J. Stroud threw the football in high school. You know what I mean? At Rancho Cucamonga High School the day before the Rose Bowl. And then the next day, 
he, you know, he has the greatest uh, passing game, uh, you know, in Ohio State history and, and one of the great passing games in bowl history. But isn't it cool to kind of be where they're from to kind of get a sense of, of what, what these guys are all about? Yeah, what always strikes me, Tim, is, uh, you know, we in this business have a almost an obligation to hyperbolize and to make, uh, you know, to sensationalize things. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about a 16-year-old kid uh, in Dylan Rayola who, you know, sure, he's, he's grown up around football his entire life. His father played for the Detroit Lions for 14 years. And, you know, I was talking to the family on Saturday. His, his next-door neighbor uh, was Chris Osgood, a former Detroit Red Wings goaltender. His, across the street lived Dre Bly, who was the cornerback and now the cornerback coach in North Carolina. Yeah, talking about how he would hang out in his backyard playing catch with Calvin Johnson and Nate Burleson as a seven-year-old. He obviously has had a very unique opportunity in his life to, to learn the mentality of a professional athlete very early. But the reason he's decided to commit so early, when he could have drawn this out, this is a kid that has options all over the country. Yeah. He decided to commit this early so that he could just be a kid. And I think we so oftentimes forget that in the midst of, of racing to get, you know, stories and, and to get rankings and all this stuff. He's still a 16 year old kid who's, you know, a big brother to his 13 year old brother, Dayton, and, and, a, you know, wants to see his sister Taylor play volleyball at TCU. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things that I think get lost in the mix when you're talking about families that are in the spotlight for doing nothing that nobody, you know, it's nothing new. Kids have been playing football in America for a long time. But because the internet and the recruiting world is, has blown up so much, I mean, we spend so much time talking about these kids. 25 years ago, nobody was doing this, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know, though, man. When Arch Schleister signed with Ohio State way back in 19, what was that, 78, that was a big deal, you know? <laughs> it was a, uh, uh, you know, they're off and on, there have been it was some a big moments. Deal. It was a big deal on signing day. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was, it was a big, big chase. There was a big chase going on for him. You're right, but. It was a big deal on signing day, mainly. You're exactly right. But it wasn't a big deal, you know, for three years ahead of time. Yeah. I don't think you were even born in 78. Were you, Burr? 78 is my is the year I was born. So. There you go, man. That just shows you. It puts you in perspective. Hey, real quickly, though, with, with Rayola, um, uh, uh, was there any – I mean, what was, this, what was the toughest competition, do you think, Ohio State faced in that pursuit? I, think I mean, when see- you boil it all down. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it was USC just because what, what the family was really looking for was who is going to best develop Dylan to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Um, and the belief around the country has been for a few years at this juncture that Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley are the preeminent quarterback trainers of any college coach in the country. And so ultimately, I think it came down to those two. I think the family would have preferred if they could have to maybe stay on the West Coast. They've been moving back and forth. They lived here in Arizona where uh, Dylan's mom, Yvonne, is from, her family lives. And they went to, you know, they were in Detroit. And then they lived in Burleson, Texas, where they moved uh, so that they could watch Taylor play volleyball at TCU. And then they moved back to Arizona. And I think they would have loved to have the opportunity to just sort of settle in one region. Uh, but ultimately, it was the culture of Ohio State and the combination uh, of factors, the, the relationships with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, the, the way that Ohio State's entire coaching staff was seen by the Rayola family with their families and their kids and all the stuff around the program that, you know, we you've been around it a lot longer than I have, but even I've, you know, in, in the last 11 years, you see there's a market change in just the personality and the vibe and the, the building 
when you see a bunch of, you know, seven, you know, seven year olds running around and Brian Hartline's kids and Ryan Day's kids everywhere and, and the wives of all the coaches just hanging out, that sort of stuff is different. And I think for these people that football is not their God, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and they, they're really looking for a complete comprehensive experience that's going to teach him to how to be a, a better football player, but also how to teach him how to, how to grow up and how to be a man and how to be a husband. And, and those things are very important to the Rayola family. And ultimately that was that combination, that confluence of, of things was what brought them to Ohio State. Wow. You know, it's funny. I've got, uh, I've got kid folks on my wife's side of the family from Burleson, Texas, man. It's a, it's amazing. <laughs> what a, what a small world we live in if you follow my drift there. But uh, I wanted to ask you this. So what kind of, what kind of NIL commitment did it take to get him, Jeremy? Uh, none that I was made of privy to. I mean, listen, we know Ohio State is going to uh, – anyone who plays at Ohio State and plays regularly and plays a Cadillac position like quarterback is going to make a lot of money in NIL. Uh, one of the things I think that makes the Bill and Rayola fit so good for Ohio State is that because his family does come some, from some success at this point, there is not a, a, a lot of pressure to – to provide something up front, uh, which a lot of schools right now are trying to do. We'll see if the NCAA can actually crack down on that yeah. and figure out a way to stop it. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm skeptical because I don't see the NCAA having much in the way of uh, any teeth in, the, in these matters right now. But Ohio State, and we've talked about this before, the, the, the players that they're choosing, the players they're, they're going after, they're looking for guys that understand that this is a bigger picture. Uh, any player, and I talked about this on the latest episode of Talking Stuff with, with Spencer and with Andrew, if there's a player in this country that is maybe the best football player in the country, but all name, image, and likeness, money is the most important thing to him, he is not going to go to Ohio State uh, because Ohio State is not going to recruit using name, image, and likeness money as a tool. Uh, they are going to use it as a, as a supplement on the back end and say, hey, once you're here, you can make a lot of money. And I know from talking to Bill and Rayola, uh, on Saturday as we filmed his interview for, for the commitment edition of Dermonology, but he knows how much money C.J. Stroud has. I mean, he, he, these guys know, they talk, but that stuff, you got to earn it, and, and that is what, uh, that's the Ohio State mantra, that's the Ohio State motto, and the right kids for Ohio State are going to accept that and, and want that challenge. How wild is it out there now, Jeremy? You've got your ear to the ground with a lot of this stuff that's going on. I mean, uh, you know, not just for Lemon Rowe, but on 3.com. I mean, you know, you're considered one of their elite dudes uh, follows recruiting. Uh, how wild is it getting from your vantage point? It's pretty reckless. I, I don't know that I want to say wild because I think anyone who is objective saw this coming. Yeah. There, there, there is nothing about this that's surprising. Uh, I think what is interesting is that you see a very select group of schools Schools that have, have had historical success in college football that are maybe in a downtrend right now that are using this opportunity to try and catapult themselves back into that upper echelon quickly. And I think that they're doing that because they know that there is going to be some regulation at some point. There is going to be some sort of restriction put on this stuff. And I think that that window is small. And so you're seeing a lot of these schools that, uh, have, have again, have had historical success but have fallen off in recent times are saying, hey, this is our opportunity to really catapult ourselves back into that conversation. And in doing so, I think that they're, they're willing to cut a corner here or there. And um, I, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, et cetera, are not handling things in that manner. Uh, like you said, Dylan Rayola is a, 
is going to be a commitment for the 2024 class. Where, where do you see him really having having room to grow? I mean, you've gotten to watch him play, or you've gotten to see video of him. I've watched a little bit of it and stuff. What, what, where do you see him growing in the next year and a half? The real challenge for any quarterback is just being consistent. And that's, you know, one thing that Rayola has in his favor is that he's six foot three, 210 pounds already. He's physically very well put together. This is a kid that is not going to be uh, shocked by the, by the weight, by the body change that he has to have when he gets to college. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his father, Dominic, was, was a, not just a 14-year NFL veteran, but also was a strength coach for the Lions uh, after he retired. This is a guy that understands, you know, what it takes to, to get yourself ready. Um, you know, I think one of the good things about what Dylan's doing by making this decision now is he takes off a little bit of the pressure of all the eyes that are going to be on him for the next 18 months. And I think in that time, you're just going to see a kid who wants to focus on getting better, making sure that the little things that maybe he hasn't learned uh, in a, in an educational setting, the footwork, things like that. He's, he's advanced. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's been around the right guys aside from the fact that, you know, he grew up being taught the quarterback position by Matthew Stafford in Detroit and then worked with, you know, John Kitna, uh, at Burleson, Texas, who was his, his coach there. Yep. Uh, Drew Stanton, who was a 13-year NFL veteran who played with, I mean, shoot, if you look at the guys that Drew Stanton played with in his career, Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, like this is a guy that is now his quarterback coach who played with his father at, at Detroit. He's the guy working with him out here in Arizona. He's going to get a lot of the, the proper uh, education when it comes to being a quarterback. So the challenge for most of these kids is going to be the mentality, the mindset of how do you, how do you become a pro in your mind? Um, and again, Riola has that already in his favor. So it's about just consistency. This is a kid who everything that you want to check off the box is there. Uh, this is, he's technically much further advanced than most high school sophomores are physically much further advanced mentally, much stronger than most are. And so now it's just, how do you maintain and level? And this is one of the things his father said on, on Saturday in our the conversation was, Dylan doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low, and that's going to serve him really well over these next 18 months. Because if you look at the Ohio State quarterback room right now, as it's currently constructed, and if you never want to say that a freshman is going to be counted on to play that position at Ohio State, but we know C.J. Stroud is almost assuredly leaving Ohio State after this season, right? Yeah. If Kyle McCord beats out Devin Brown next year, that will be Kyle McCord's redshirt sophomore year, and he will have the opportunity to play one year at Ohio State and go to the NFL. That's what a lot of – that's the, that's the dream, right? Yeah. If he does that, in the year of 2024, Devin Brown has potentially one year to play at Ohio State. There's yeah. going to be an opportunity for Dylan Rayola to play a lot of football early in his career. And so I think the, the real value in, in ending this now for him and his family is to put all of the – the, the hyperbole, all of the, the, the nonsense to bed and just focus on getting better, but also focus on being just Bill and Rayola, brother, son, that kind of stuff. Prom king, maybe. Maybe even prom king. Although you're probably enrolled at Ohio State early, I'm sure, right? <laughs> I, I would imagine that that will be a, a push. You can always go back for you always go back for your prom. You know, it's interesting, though, what you just touched on, the quarterbacks, at least the ones Ohio State has been getting of late, they come in – ahead of the game, I mean, not just physically, not not just being able to play the position physically, but mentally, these guys are so much better equipped than they were even 10 years ago, right? I mean, 
You, I mean, it, it is amazing how advanced they are, isn't it? Well, the world of seven-on-seven football has, has certainly opened up a lot of that. These guys get a lot of reps that they never used to get. And in some ways, just technology makes it easier. Even stupid things like video games. If you're playing John Madden football, they will, you're learning route concepts. You're doing other stuff. I mean, these kids are constantly inundated with it. Uh, the Internet allows them to watch whatever they want and, and to get an opportunity to, to really break down themselves versus other people. They can be trained by – by quarterback trainers who live thousands of miles away. I mean, there's a lot of things that these kids have now that they never had before. Um, and, and you start to see that development happens at a very, very early age. It's not a surprise that college football is really, really run by the quarterback position. It is surprising how it's trending that so many of these guys running it are very, very young. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've said all along, the last couple of years have just been a showcase for, for Ohio State to to attract to be to be an allure for big time quarterbacks and big time receivers, and it is really playing out that way, isn't it? it? It it's even though you know anybody can see it, it's still you know three yards in a cloud of dust is so far in the rearview mirror. It's crazy, isn't it? It is, but it's also interesting to think about how these players recruit each other, uh, and and how you know I was sitting there on Saturday talking with Dylan. And he's talking about how he just had talked to C.J. Stroud earlier in the day. I mean, once they once they start to build these relationships, these guys are 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 learning from each other and they're gaining insight from one another. And so there's an obligation on the, his mind of, hey, I need to follow up what C.J. does and make sure I'm doing it right. And so it, it becomes this ownership stake and not just your own personal development, but the brand that you have. And we've seen that at Ohio State in the last decade with the wide receiver room, especially. That, that zone six group that, that really started with Johnny Dixon and Curtis uh, Samuel and Terry McFarr and Paris Campbell, every group that comes after it is focused on making sure that they're living up to that ideal. Uh, and that, yeah. that really sells itself now for Ohio State. They don't have to do that. What makes it fascinating is that when you add a player like Rayola this early, the number one player in the country, the number one quarterback, he is going to impact the class of 2023 and the class of 2024 because People want to play with the best player in the country. And that's, you know, we saw it with Quinn Ewers. He was not a very vocal guy when it came to actively recruiting other players, but everyone knew who he was. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Rayola is not going to be a, a rah-rah, I'm going to go out on Twitter and tag everyone, hey, you're coming with me. But he is much more sociable uh, and willing to do the, the behind-the-scenes recruiting stuff that Ohio State wants from that guy to do. And I think you, you're going to see a, a player that, not just takes on, you know, the, the face of the class of 2024, but he's going to be mentioned by a lot of these kids over this next few months in the class of 2023 as well. Hey, last couple of things for you, Jeremy. I appreciate you joining me, man, live from the road. <laughs> it's, you know, that's a great thing. You can, you can even co-pilot the Tim May podcast from Arizona. That's what's great about uh, modern, uh, modern uh, media uh, tools. Uh, I, we, as we touched on earlier, the NCAA is basically – Gone, you know, basically trying to get a grip on things as you as you referred to earlier and stuff. What what is one thing you think they could do or make a rule about that they wouldn't be sued over? That would because uh, they're going to get sued, you know, when they start going after some of these collectives. That's just obvious. Uh, but what is one thing right now as you think about it that's going on out there that they could they could get a grip on and maybe at least calm things down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was smarter to, to be able to have a real good answer for that. But, I mean, I think ultimately there has to be 
a way to control how, you know, number one, these collectives should never be talking to high school players, period. Like, yeah, I know that this entire thing, that, that's one area where I would say they shouldn't be talking to high school players until a player is signed. If a player is signed and then they enroll six months later, that's fine. But I, I don't think that any high school player should be being talked to by agents. I mean, I just think it's a bad, it's a bad thing all in all for the sport. But, you know, there has to be a limit, I think, on how much can be. I, I, see, this is where it gets weird because the entire yeah. idea of NIL was that it was never supposed to be performance-based. But I think if you don't do something performance-based, then things get out of control. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that until there's one broad, you know, coast-to-coast regulation in place or, or, uh, or rule that separates what happens in recruiting versus what happens for a player that's on the actual uh, roster, I, you know, because it is supposed to be against the rules right now to, to use NIL as an inducement in recruiting, but it's happening all over the place. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know who's going to be the first team to get, you know, really draw the ire of the NCAA enough that they're going to come after it. But when you watch what happened with Jordan Addison, Pitt, and USC, and all this in the last few weeks, this is not going to be an isolated incident. I mean, this is going to happen regularly um, because there are the haves and the have-nots. I mean, there are teams that have a lot more money. And uh, eventually when Alabama and Ohio State decide, hey, you know what, if Ohio State in December says, hey, you know what, we didn't sign two running backs in the class of 2023 that we originally wanted to, who's the best running back in the country? Let's just go take him from another school. Like, they're going to have the power to do that. I I know that there's a lot of people who are still saying, hey, this is going to even the playing field. When Ohio State and Alabama's and Georgia's and Texas really start to dive into this, those schools that have huge, huge, huge amounts of money are going to be the ones that still benefit. Yeah, you know, there, there's an estimate out right now that there could be $500 million or more in these collectives. I'm not not individually, but in, in the collective collectives yeah. by the end of this year, which is which is nuts. From your from your uh, interactions, uh, the the two collectives that have popped up for Ohio that are they're associated with Ohio State or want to be associated with Ohio State are they pretty much doing things the right way at this point? From what you can tell. What I've heard, I mean, obviously the rules are the rules and they're not supposed to be talking to recruits uh, early. And especially if they are, they're not supposed to be throwing around monetary dollars. I think that there are always ways around things when you talk about pre-existing relationships or running into someone as a former player on the sideline at a practice. I know that Ohio State's intention is to, A, not be involved in the collectives, but B, make sure that, the collectives are doing things the right way. Yeah. And so if they, if they notice that something is happening, the Buckeyes administration is going to try to find out who's in charge of it and put a stop to it and make sure it's done the right way. Because again, in Ryan, they talked about this on Friday. There are no rules right now. And so you, you're almost tiptoeing to the line that you've created in your mind thinking, well, when there are rules, is this going to be over the line or is it not? And so yeah. you have to, sort of create this imaginary barrier between like how far you're willing to go um, because there are going to be rules. So it's just a matter of when they come in. And the NCAA was already talking last week about the fact that they would potentially be retroactively uh, punishing programs that have broken rules that don't currently exist. So how that works, I mean, I don't know. I think the Buckeyes plan and goal is to be tentative and it is to be, uh, you know, very, very reluctant to deep dive into this space. Yeah. And, I, you know, like he's been pointed out, 
they can't literally tell these collectives what to do because they're not quote unquote affiliated with Ohio state. They're not under their jurisdiction, you know, but they can give them pointers on what they should and shouldn't be doing, which is what a weird, what a weird time we live in. Right. It's unbelievable when you think about the way college football has changed in three years. Yeah. And, and who, I mean, by the time 2025 rolls around, it, it's going to be something we don't recognize. Ryan Day talked about that at, at Big Ten Media Days last summer, and this is before oh, yeah. NIL became official. And, you know, he was very concerned about the game not being recognizable. And you can see quickly why that uh, concern may have been valid. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about the way it's being played on the field, but the way it's being played off the field. Hey, last question for you. Um, you've been to Arizona many, many times. You actually lived in Arizona at one point, didn't you? I lived here for about a decade, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's more than one point. That's many points. What is the one thing when you make a trip, a road when you make a road trip like you're on right now, that you have to – a place you have to go to eat in the greater Phoenix uh, Scottsdale Metroplex, for want of another term, what is that one place you always hit up and why? My guiltiest pleasure of fast food restaurants is Del Taco, which is – a lot of people's mind is not good food, but when I moved to Arizona in 2020, in 2003, um, the night that I got into town, I got in about 4 a.m. and the only place that was open was Del Taco. So yeah. that's always been a place that's in my mind where I'm like, man, I want to go there. But other than that, there's a Papago Brewing Company. They make this orange blossom beer, which I absolutely love. And so uh, Orange Blossom Beer and Del Taco are sort of the, the sweet spot for me. I'm not a big In-N-Out guy. I'm not sure I understand the fascination uh, with In-N-Out Burger. Um, the fries are the, maybe the worst in all of uh, burger restaurants in America. And wow. The, burger, the burgers are okay. I mean, it's not yeah. – I can make a better one at home, I'm pretty sure. But is it worth waiting in line 30 minutes for? That's your. That, that's not fast yeah, food. They, they do a great job with service, though. I mean, they, yes. they, are the, they, they do a great job with that, and I understand why people like it from that perspective, but I don't think there's anything – special about the food but again as i said i like del taco so there's nothing special about that either hey the many times real quick before we go the many times i've i've been out you know in your area there uh covering the fiesta bowl we always almost always stayed at the uh um, the uh, camelback scottsdale and two times i in my bungalow you could walk out on the balcony and pick an orange off a tree you know what i mean uh yeah that was surprising to me when i moved out here in 2003 i was surprised at the number of citrus yeah um, like because you know growing up in in toledo i always thought that like you had to go to florida for citrus but apparently it's out here too there was a, yeah. a street right next to the, the main road i lived on which was just lined with with uh, citrus trees and orange trees and i was like i, I was surprised by that so yeah i was gonna say i love arizona i love this area I was going to say when you said the orange blossom, uh, orange blossom uh, 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 pilsner or whatever it is, uh, what, what would you call it? Uh, I would. Well, I don't even know. I mean, it, it's a, it's an, an ale, ale? thing, but it, it's, uh, it's really delicious. Gotcha, ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Jeremy Birmingham. Jeremy, you do a great job. I know you know that. I'm just buttering you up now. Uh, well, and, I appreciate uh, it. It's always keep, good to hear anyway. Oh yeah, keep up the good work though. But you know, you've been on top of this uh, Dylan Rayola thing for for as long as it's been a thing, you know, and uh, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's, what's the words you would call it when something comes to fruition and you've reached the finish line sort of, you know, and something like that. G give me that sense of, of being a guy who's covered recruiting as long as you have. And then on top of that, this guy's a big time five-star, maybe the best player in the 2024 class. We'll see how the rankings go down the road and stuff. But what, what is that 
feeling that you get when something comes to fruition like this, a, a young man you've gotten to know extremely well along with his family and things? You know, for me, honestly, um, it's just nice to know that I'm reading it correctly. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we have, uh, we have a, a number of great people that you meet along the road in recruiting, but there are also a lot of kids who just say whatever they think they need to say to whoever they're talking to. Um, and I put in my prediction for Dylan Rayola to Ohio State on, on April 2nd, and that was two weeks before he officially committed to the coaching staff when he was back in town for the spring game. And it was I put in that prediction on that day because I watched him at that student appreciation day practice, watched him, watched his dad, watched his mom, and I just saw people that looked like they found what they were looking for, uh, and they just looked so incredibly comfortable. And so to see that and then to hear the reaction from him and the family, you can to know that I'm reading it correctly is always a good feeling because there are a lot of people in this world of, of recruiting right now that are saying what they want people to believe or want to just say whatever about any school they go to. Uh, but when you're dealing with a player that's this highly recruited and this highly ranked, it's, it's not always easy to separate the, the bluff from the, the belief. And, yeah. uh, I, I felt like I, I felt like even back in October, when I talked to Dylan for the first time after his first visit to Ohio State, it really felt like a kid that saw something really special in the opportunity that Columbus had for him. Um, so then it's just about trying to be consistent. And, and, you know, for me and we've, you know, we've talked about the, the bigger picture of my job before, but my goal is always to be of service in this industry. I want to help families and whether it's with a graphic that someone needs or what, you know, whatever, my goal is to be um, helpful because there are a lot of people who are trying to get something from these folks instead of giving something to them. Uh, and I'd rather just take it the other way. So I guess it's good to know that people appreciate it. This is a great example. You respected his wishes of wanting to make this announcement on May the 9th, right? And uh, yeah, I, mean, I didn't want people, I didn't want anyone to even know. I didn't tell anyone I was coming out here. There was no nothing like that. I mean, I, I thought it's just important that if Dylan Rayola and his family wanted it to be known that he was committing on Monday, then he would have said that. Uh, yeah. Twenty four seven Sports asked him uh, if they could do a live, you know. Uh, video for what of his announcement he said no he didn't want it. he wants it to be a private thing at his church uh and, and to make it you know there's no there's no tweet saying hey everyone I'm, I'm announcing this day there's no hats on the table there's nothing like that and i just think it was an important thing to to respect their wish that this is how they seem to prefer it uh and you know when i talked to them even on saturday i was asking how can we figure out a way to make sure people are alert because that's the one thing it's monday night uh, yeah. When this is happening, it's going to be close to probably 1045 on the, in Columbus by the time this happens um, yeah. publicly. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out some ways to make sure people are just paying attention. I want, I want his night to be about him, but I also want to make sure that people are, are celebrating his, his, his moment. So, uh, yeah, he deserves I, I'm just, good. I'm just glad that it, it gets to happen. I, I appreciate getting to be a part of it. Uh, I know that, you know, not a lot of people are in that position. Yeah, he deserves to get his just due, though, as you pointed out, because this kid, man, keep your name, keep your eye on this young man. Hey, uh, Jeremy Birmingham, thanks for joining the Tim Mike podcast. Is my co-pilot, my man. Times they are changing, but uh, 
you and I have known each other for quite a while and I've always respected you, as you well know, and I appreciate your work, my man. I appreciate it, Tim. Thanks so much. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.